0: This is episode number 89 with the founder of the Franchise Tribe Mastermind and host of the Franchise Secrets podcast, Eric Van Horn. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the or side and I love working with 919 Because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. What's up, Pat? The Freedom listeners? Today, I'm joined by my good friend, someone I would consider a mentor, Eric Van Horn. Um, Eric's been on the show before. I've got the link to the first episode uh, in the show notes. So if you didn't catch that, please go back and listen to it. Uh, Eric is is a wealth of information when it comes to franchising. Uh, He's been a franchisee with numerous brands. He's worked on the franchisor side. He's worked as a consultant. He does consulting with franchise companies today. Uh, so there's not much that that Eric hasn't seen or done in franchising. Uh, and so we talked a lot about that in the first episode. The purpose of having him come back on the show was not so much to talk franchising, but to talk freedom and what the freedom that he's built in his life has allowed him to do. And in particularly, I wanted Eric to share a story Uh, Of a trip that he recently took. And the purpose of that trip was to help a lot of people that were absolutely in a situation where they needed help. Uh, It was spur of the moment, it was a long ways away. And Eric didn't really know how long he was going to be there. But because Eric has very intentionally built his life around creating businesses that work for him, even when he's not working. He's set up passive income streams so that even if he's gone, uh, his revenue is not impacted because of that. Uh, So it's because of all of that, it's because Eric has been walking his own path to freedom for so long now that he was in a position and had the freedom to serve uh, in the way that he did. And Eric is such a good guy. He's always looking to help other people out. So this specific experience and story that Eric shares in this episode is just one of many examples of how Eric's always looking for an opportunity to help people. Uh, But I thought it was really cool and wanted him to share it here with the audience, and he was gracious enough to do so. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with my good friend, Eric Van Horn. What's up, Eric?
1: Man, so good to see you again, Wes. Always uh, good chatting
0: with you. Always, always. I've been uh, excited to have you come back on the show. And and uh, so I actually went back and listened to the first episode that you and I recorded uh, uh, for my show a um, couple days ago, just to kind of remember what we talked about. And, and it was phenomenal. Um, you know, you've you've got an amazing story, uh, you know, journey that you've been on, you know, in franchising, but really just in, you know, building Businesses for yourself, and and the underlying theme of that is is you know creating the the freedom and the flexibility and the lifestyle that that you want for you and your family. And so, you know, I've I've been very fortunate to have learned a lot from you over the years. And um, you know, every time I talk to you, there's there's takeaways that are, are helpful to me. So you know, thought it would be cool to have you come back on the show and and um, you know, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to more recently. Um, and, and I'll post a link to the original episode that we recorded in the show notes. So anyone listening that didn't catch the first one, definitely go back and listen to that. Cause like I said, Eric's got an awesome story and, and so much good advice to share, but you know, we won't, won't have you go into as much of that today for, for the purposes of not being redundant. Uh, Cause there's some other really cool things that I want to have you talk about, but before we dive into that, just maybe give a quick kind of intro, you know, who you are, what you do. Um, for those that aren't familiar, and then we can kind of dive into some new topics.
1: Awesome. Can't wait. And the feeling is mutual. Whenever you and I have conversations, I'm always learning, and you're always so helpful and kind to me. So, um, so what have I been up to? I've been uh, really perfecting a uh, freedom, <laughs> time freedom, yep. uh, really getting a lot better at spending my time on the things that I love to do. Uh, and setting up my businesses around uh, my zone of genius and that give me ultimate time freedom and a lot of that's just being honest with myself so mm. I've got the franchisee mastermind that I just try to keep leveling up to provide value for franchisees the franchise or mastermind which you know helping franchisors with all the things that they like help with and creating a community of amazing franchisors and the uh, investing mastermind, helping people find, you know, cool off-market deals and saving a bunch of money on taxes and having a community of passive investors. And I've been getting equity in different franchise franchisors as well. So it sounds like a lot that I've been up to. And I was coaching somebody, I had a call with them uh, the other day and they just wanted some time with me. And they said, I just kind of told them this, what I told you. And he said, Eric, you must... You must be busy. <laughs> like, what do you mean you you like time freedom? And I was on Zoom, and so I said, well, "Let me just show you my calendar." And so I just pulled up my calendar with everything on it, and I told them Mondays are pickleball in the morning and free the rest of the day uh, to do what I want. Sometimes that's work. Sometimes that's sure. play. Yeah, it's my sure. Sunday. It's my Sunday, and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays are work days from, and then uh, from 10 to two, and then Wednesdays are podcasts and content days from 10 to two, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit longer. And then Fridays are family days, and we just got the boat out. So we're going to be a pickleball in the morning or biking in the morning, and then boating the rest of the day with the family. And that's a typical week for me. I'm not rigid about it, Wes. It's, you know, if there's work to be done, I'll jump in and work on a Monday or a Friday, but that's pretty typical. So that's what I've been up to. And there's my calendar.
0: I love it. I love it, man. I mean, and, and it's, it's a perfect example, right. Of how if you build your businesses the right way, and I like what you said earlier, you know, kind of really understanding and staying in your zone of genius um, and, and that requires being honest with yourself, right? Admitting that, hey, there are certain things that I'm not as good at or I just don't enjoy doing and and someone else would get better results if I can delegate those things to them. I mean, that's that's such a huge part of it. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, again, for those that didn't hear it, go back and listen to the the first podcast I did with Eric because he's been involved in a lot of different businesses, a lot of different franchise businesses. I mean, there's definitely been points in your life that you've grinded very very hard. Um so I guess one question I have for you cuz we're you know working our way towards having, you know, more of the freedom and flexibility that that you have. I would say we're well on our way, but you know, we still have businesses that, you know, require a fair amount of our attention and oversight and and some input, you know, from us certainly. Did did you ever struggle with, you know, as you were kind of transitioning into to having, you know, these businesses that are kind of working for you even when you're not working? Did you ever struggle with like, man, I should be busier than I am. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm not working enough because that's something that that I know I wrestle with a little bit where it's like I'm actually achieving some of what I'm working towards and and then I feel almost guilty about it.
1: 100% and a lot of people do that. One of my coaching clients, he was just had one location, just doing amazing at it. And he's like, I feel bad. I'm never there. And I said, get ready. You're getting ready to open up two more locations. So enjoy this time off while you have it. Now he's, uh, so he was, we we talked through that in one of our coaching sessions, just, just about that exact thing. And then he got really busy and he just hired a district operational manager that's going to oversee his three locations. So he's getting his freedom back. Nice. But I remember being in the tax business And the tax business is crazy because once, you know, you can start filing tax returns, you're very busy until April 15th at midnight, then it's just dead. But um, uh, in February, you're really busy in the tax business called peak season. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, getting up before the sun came up and always getting home after the sun was down. And it was just like constant getting up early, getting home late. And then the first time that I'm, I'm driving home and the sun's not down, I started to feel guilty. And and so, it, you know, and I was grinding all the time and I even felt guilty then. And yeah. then there are times when I was living the four hour work week that I would feel guilty as well. So it doesn't matter how busy you are or not busy you are from what I've found out, if you start to slow down or you start to focus on other things, there is that guilt. And I think where that stems from is when you are really working in your zone of genius and honest about yourself what your zone of genius is then you can then you can lean into that and it's fun that doesn't feel like work it's yeah. fun and you understand how productive it is an example of that is i went through an exercise with an eos implementer And we looked at everything and he said, you know, this is where you and another person, we did it together. Who's at a whole nother level than me, but we did it together and we do very similar things, but he's, you know, 10 X of what I am. And, and the, 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 uh, the EOS guy said, Mm -hmm. you should be focusing on content, building big relationships, strategy, Mm -hmm. culture, those were the things that he said, you as the visionary, the, the founder should be focusing on because nobody else is going to do that as good as you. And so even creating content is become more important to me. Building culture in the masterminds, which you and I were just talking about before that is more mm-hmm. important to me now. And then the biggest thing that was probably the one of the more uh, surprising things is, building big relationships. Now I've built so many different things because of my relationships, the connections and the rooms that I've been in. Yeah. But just him saying that to both of us, like that is something that's really important for your businesses. That's what you should be spending time on. And that's fun stuff but I think, you know, I'd had to get honest with myself that my value isn't time into the business. It's not hiring and firing and, and marketing and doing all these things that I can do. Some things I can do really well, some things I can't do very well, but that's not my value. My value is more what's between my ears, my brain and who I know and, and leaning into that. So I don't know if that helps at all, but it was, it was hard.
0: Yeah, it, it does help. And, and, you know, it all makes sense to me. It, it it is hard, right? I think that's why so many people, you know, even if they they take the steps of starting their own businesses, they don't really ever get to a point where they can kind of work on the business and, and not be tied up in the business. because um, it's it's hard to let go, especially if in the beginning you're having to to wear all these different hats and do all these different things, even if you're willing to look at yourself and be honest and say, Hey, I'm probably not the best person to to handle these aspects of the business, someone else could do it better. Sometimes it's just hard to let go. It's hard to delegate and, and trust other people uh, to do it. I know that's something we've struggled with. My, my wife is an operational master, which which I am not. So that's that's one reason, you know, we work well together in, in a business setting is she has strengths that I do not. But she's really struggled with that, you know, over the, the course of building our businesses. Uh, she's gotten much better at it but there's been times where it's been very very difficult for her to let go of certain things and and delegate them out even though she knows it's not the best use of her time and it's the right thing to do for the business it still doesn't make it easy
1: it's so hard and i know uh we've all been there and and that delegating things it's easier for probably me and you than it is for an operational person because the the visionary (laughs) I'm okay delegating this stuff out to a fault sometimes But for that operational person they are they're good at that and they don't want to let that go and I was coaching somebody yesterday one of my clients and I don't have very many coaching clients by the way I only have a handful but I was coaching them on this exact same thing and I said be honest with yourself on what you're not good at and she just is so hard for her. She's like, you mean the things that I don't enjoy? To no, know the things that you're not good at. <laughs> right. Well, I can do all of these different things and I'm good at all these different things. I'm like, well, reframe the question. Who have you met that's better at you mm-hmm. than hi- hiring and firing and culture and, you know, getting getting the marketing done or like, are you better at doing all that stuff or Are you better at managing the district operational manager or are you better at being the district operational manager. Are you better at being the manager or overseeing the manager and it started to click with her like oh I guess. I can admit to myself that there are people that are better at managing than I am managing people or managing vendors or, you know, going out and getting the work done. So it it was, it was a struggle for me too. Even the first time I started to admit, I wasn't great at operations. And even there, I said, I'm not great at operations. I'm bad at operations. I'm much better at other things. And you said, you're not great at operations and your wife's amazing at it. I think we as business owners just really need to get crystal clear on what we are good at and what we're not, and just be honest with ourselves. And if you can't be honest with yourselves, then look at what amazing is, and then hold that up as a litmus test to your own uh, abilities.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's it's a good way to look at it. You gotta you gotta drop the ego a bit, and uh, you know, be be honest with yourself and and everyone else that's involved in the business too. So you know, one of the things that that uh, You know, I, I found out that you did fairly recently. I guess this is going back a couple of months, but when I heard about it and when you got back, we talked and I was like, dude, you need to come on the podcast and and share this because it's, it's phenomenal, but it goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about, right? Setting your businesses up so that you do have the freedom to, to live life the way you want and you're not beholden to you know, the, the business to the point where you can't remove yourself from it for, for periods of time. So you went on a pretty interesting trip. I would not call this a, a vacation from what I know about it. Um, you were you were serving uh, and helping towards a very good cause. But, you know, share with us, where did you go? How did this come together? And, and you know, just want to hear kind of some of the experience from from your perspective. So
1: the war Russia invaded Ukraine and that was all over the news. And I sent a text to somebody that I knew would be going over there and doing things as an NGO, non-government organization, and just helping serve. And I, I said, are you guys going over there? Do you need some money? How can I help? And she's like, yeah, we're thinking about sending a scouting team out and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what do you need? Like, what do you need when you're there? Should we need somebody to build relationships and connections and really scout things out to understand what's happening. And I thought, Man, I'm pretty good at that, yeah. and I've and I've lived overseas. I've been not in the military, but I've been overseas. I've traveled throughout Europe, um, and that's what a lot of people don't know about me is I have done a lot of that stuff in my past. And when mm-hmm. I was in college, I went to the Albania Kosovo border where I was helping refugees as they were crossing from Kosovo into Albania. Really, and uh, and it was a very impactful uh, time. And I did that as a college student, and I was there for about a month or so. And, uh, and so I re- reached out to Debbie and she said, yeah, do you want to go? And I said, I think I do. My wife was on speakerphone at the time. Cause I wanted her to hear all this. Sure. And I said, well, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. So I posted out on Facebook, who knows it has any connections in Germany, Poland, uh, Ukraine that, that can be helpful if I took a trip there. And I had a ton of response Really, and I eventually bought a ticket and, uh, you know, decided to go and it was about a two week period. And I looked at my, I was just so amazing to look at my life and be like, I can make a decision to go away for two weeks in two weeks and maybe have cell coverage. Maybe not, maybe have zoom meetings, maybe not, but I could just do it. And knowing that None of my income will change. the 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 family is going to be just fine. The businesses are going to be just fine. Everything is going to move forward like clockwork. and And I just come back from a two week vacation in Mexico. not too uh, Not too far before that. Yeah. So you know, two week vacation. Then a few weeks later, going to Albania or not Albania, but to Poland. And then my buddy, Justin Donald said, Hey, do you want to go see Richard Branson with me? I'm going to his Island. I'm like, Justin, that is a week after I get back from Poland. So I can't do that. That would have been too much. Um, so
0: here yeah, I am. Oh, hold, 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 hold I got to start. You passed <laughs> on going to Richard Branson's Island. Come on. I and
1: Come and on. not you only might,
0: that, but you then, might be the only person that's ever passed on that opportunity, oh, before. man.
1: I know. And then <laughs> Justin sending me pictures. He's like, Hey, by the way, Uh, This has been a really cool trip. Sorry, you couldn't make it, but I'm at Richard Branson's private residence playing chess with him.
0: Uh, I saw I saw him post pictures of him sitting there playing chess with with Richard Branson.
1: Yeah, they've now now they're now they're friends or they're more friends than they were before. I don't know how many people are actually friends with with Richard, but Justin's definitely got an in with richard which again justin's amazing at relationships and connections so sure um, i did have fomo i'm like oh (laughs) man i didn't know you're gonna get all this time with richard because i knew people would go to the island and then all of a sudden uh not get that much time with richard which is to be expected yeah i I could see that so here i am um I'll give you the, the, a little bit of the story going there. We, um, my family, we, we bought a bunch of stuff and I paid for this myself. So here's the other piece. I paid for my tickets, my hotel, my food, I paid for my everything myself. And I put up like a GoFundMe type page where if people wanted to give, they could give knowing that I would give, I would use that money to buy supplies on the ground. That would actually be helpful to refugees that needed it immediately. So all, so I paid for myself, opened uh, up that GoFundMe thing, and got about I think ten thousand uh, dollars came in, or twenty thousand, ten or twenty thousand dollars came in through that wow. twenty thousand. Wow. Wow. And um, and then so I took out about twelve thousand dollars of cash, stuffed it into my my backpack, and uh, and walked out to the car with my family, ready to go. And I was taking a video because that's what I do and the tire was flat on the car and we were having a snowstorm oh, and then gosh. i'm like oh we got to get the truck we go get the truck which doesn't have great snow tires on it and then the check engine light comes on i'm like what's going on here we eventually is this get- a sign <laughs> is a sign we go to the go to the airport uh, black ice at the airport a car comes flying down the hill turning into my lane i barely miss it get to the air uh, go to check in i'm there way early and they say, oh, you need this one form filled out on the Polish website. It wasn't working. And um, I was there for at least uh, an hour and a half trying to get that to work. And they said, we're boarding now. Wow. We can't let you in. Um, and I said, I'm going to Poland. That's when I pulled out the Poland card. And they're like, okay, let me see what I can do. They ran up to the, to the. they couldn't print my ticket down there. They ended up printing it, uh, met me at baggage claim or at the check, um, at, at security, got onto the plane barely, ready for my one hour connection in Minneapolis. I, um, But then they decided to, to de-ice the plane uh, for an extra hour. Uh, so uh, I landed, my plane was boarding in, in Minneapolis. As I landed, I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna make it. I walk off the plane and there's a, a lady holding my name up on a card. And no I way. said, that's me, yeah. I said, that's me. I just got off out of the airplane doors where you normally pick up your baggage. And I said, that's me. And she said, follow me. She ran up the, 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 the thing, got into her cart, went to this wall where the door opened up. We went into an elevator, went down. She's like, I got Mr. Van Horn. We're on our way. Um, he'll be there in five minutes, hold the plane for us. So I get there and I get met with, and I said, why are you doing this? She's like, we like to delight and surprise our, our, you know, certain customers. And so I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I get checked by security there because then they said, um, They said, why are you going? They really interrogated me, not in a bad way. They said, we don't really know a whole lot that's going on there. There's very few Americans there right now. So if you get anything that you, where you need help or you need this, or you need that, let us know. And they gave me their number. And then I was on the plane and then I was in Warsaw, you know, 12 hours later in Poland. And that's really where the journey started.
0: That's, that's wild. So, so was this, you, you said you reached out to a contact initially that that you knew would would likely be trying to help in some way. So is this a particular organization? Because I mean, it sounds like you were kind of going, I think you said it as like a scouting group. So it doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of, you know, organized infrastructure that you were going into, you know, where There's- you had contacts and and like people on the ground that you were going to be collaborating with. So, but, but was this part of an organization that you kind of linked up with or, or more just some there people that got together? There was a couple organizations
1: that I was loosely connected with, Okay, but, and I was kind of there scouting on the ground, but I met another guy there who I didn't know before, but you know, we were, uh, we were teamed up for about half the time. So I met him there. So it was nice to have somebody else. Yeah. Um, and then it was through the connections that I made, like one of the, one of the trips we went to, a um, one of the, the second day that I was there, I went to meet with an organization that had a big, like sports camp. That's what they normally do. They have a huge sports camp in this beautiful facility and they was full of refugees, women and children full wow. of them because they're like, we have the space we're used to taking care of children and we open this up for refugees. And then one of the guys was a pastor on staff there. And he's like, he's, his job was to get, people it was a staging area they would get people that would come in and then he would move them out to different places so it was just like this big staging area where they would come for a week and then he would be able to help them move to their into their next spot um and he they were taking on larger larger families or like an or like a small orphanage would come in and and things like that and so that was my first uh kind of experience with that and then um they said I was talking to one of the guys there and he used, he's from Ukraine and and he has friends there and he said, "Yeah, we're just going to buy this van so we can take supplies in and food and different things." And me and my buddy looked and were like, "We'll buy that van for like $5,000 and we took a picture of it and then the next day that thing was in Ukraine taking supplies in to Ukraine." Wow. So it was just, you know, that's why it was interesting to have immediate impact, like being on the ground being able to take money out of my backpack uh, and give it to this, knowing it's going, this van is now purchased and going into Ukraine to go provide food and help people get out. So taking food and supplies in and helping people uh, come out. So that's the, that was a cool thing to be able to see that. Then from there, I had, I went to four different borders over my time there and I had some Crazy experiences and eye-opening times. Uh, going and visiting the borders.
0: Oh, I bet, I bet. So, so you went in though. I mean, obviously, the the whole purpose of you going was to help. But you, it sounds like you didn't even know exactly how um. you were going to be able to help. What was that going to look like? It wasn't like you were going in and there was a team of people and they're like, Eric, we need you here. This is, you know, your job. This is how you're going to help. It was really just none of that.
1: None of that land I mean, here's,
0: here's, and start figuring it out.
1: I go and start figuring it out. And it goes into like, how do you feel productive? So I would go to a border and I would be handing out blankets. I'd be carrying suitcases for people. And that's where you feel productive because you're actually physically doing something. Yeah. But was even what was even more productive Wes and, and was my post on social media that said I'm going. Yeah. And that inspired two friends of mine, Mark, and Jason, two different people. They don't know each other. They went at two different times. I was giving them Intel on the ground, helping them with different things. They raised between the two of them over a million dollars, no way over a million dollars. One of them stayed there for a couple of weeks. And one of them stayed there even longer in the thick of things. And so I left two friends came in behind me. So just call it, you know, six weeks of, of other people being there and over a million dollars that were uh, uh, of, of uh, US dollars being able to buy supplies. And, um, and so it made me just think when I'm there, I'm there doing things, I'm carrying stuff, I'm buying blankets, I'm doing all this, but the bigger purpose is big relationships. And that's, you know, so I wanted to do some of it, but I also wanted to build those big relationships. And I just now put the two and two together. I knew I was there to do different things because my skill set is not just carrying suitcases. Yeah. So fast forward, um, a friend of mine, I got connected with a group called Aerial Recovery Group, which by the way, the founder of that was at, has an island next to Richard Branson's island, met Justin in between her visits to Poland and Ukraine. So like, that was crazy. Like they yeah. met each other. Um, but small anyway, aerial world. recovery, so small. So aerial recovery, um, they are going in special force, former special forces, rescuing orphans in, in danger zones, bringing them into safer zones and like really putting their lives on the line. We were able to get them, uh, money, more money and supplies and, so that was just through relationship, and I've been able to help them raise more money, and they're actually going to be on the franchise scale mastermind event. I and saw that.
0: Why. So, so you didn't know you didn't know them or have any connection to that group before you took this trip.
1: None, and and not yeah. only that, I had her come speak. Her and Jeremy speak. This is the nicest couple. And they were just about raising, raising money. They're not very good. Like they're, I shouldn't say they're not very good at it. They're on the ground doing things. They're not like professional money raisers. Sure. But so I knew Jeremy and Brittany as aerial recovery group, rescuing orphans and, you know, needing Kevlar blankets and stuff to help people get out. Justin knew her as Brittany Turner, who owns the island next to Richard Branson's island that puts on amazing events there. So like what I want to talk about in our mastermind that we'll do next week is, is like, what's it like for an entrepreneur to go from homeless to making, you know, a ton of money and having a private Island and yet having this passion to be able to go do things in Ukraine and whatnot. And they actually met my friend Mark out there. Both of them did. And, um, we were able to, uh, get a bunch of like first aid kits, uh, Two aerial recovery group that were sourced in Denver eventually made it there, and they were able to make the handoff, and then those things were able to go into Ukraine. But all happened because I've, you know, been a franchise in franchising forever, I've done really well there, and designed my life to have a bunch of freedom to be able to go and do things like that. And then it inspired other people to go do more things like that. And now I have new relationships, and we have Brittany coming on to talk about, yeah. you know, how amazing it is that she's able to do the things that she's doing.
0: Yeah, it's it's so cool, man. Because I, I know I know the type of guy you are, right? You you go into a trip like this with no expectations that you know there's going to be any any benefits to you, yep. you know, in in a business, uh, you know, component at all. But yeah, now you've got some strong relationships that could very likely, you know. Pay dividends down the road, um, and one thing I will say about you, knowing you, you know, for for years now, is is you are a master networker, a a master relationship developer. But I think it's amazing to see how you were able to take this skill set that you've really developed, you know, through building businesses over the years, and and apply it to something like this. So, you know, what what was kind of what would you say was the 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 motivation to do this? I mean. You know, you talked about the fact that you had the freedom, you had the resources to be able to do it. But I mean, why? I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. I'm sure it was pretty darn scary, you know, going into essentially a war zone or being that close to a war zone, leaving your family. Um, Any any particular tie to like Ukraine or you just saw what was going on and said, you know, there's people there that need help and, and I'm in a position to help.
1: That was it. I, I, it reminded me of my time in college and with what I did in Albania and I look back and that was one of those moments that was just a major impact on my life. Yeah. And I knew that it changed me. Like it marked me. It, 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 it changed my view of things. And, and I like, I want that again. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but um, I didn't then either. And I wanted to go serve and in whatever capacity that I could and knowing people would go behind me. So it just really, it was really just because I wanted to serve and I knew that there was a need and I was a different this time because I wasn't a college student. I, you know, had been successful in business and I could do things differently. Yeah. And, um, and then seeing the need of somebody that they needed connections, they needed relationship there, and so it just it just made it made sense, and it was interesting there because like one of the times I was um, at the I was at the Westin Hotel in Warsaw, and there was a guy American at this time, and, and he came I went up to him because I saw him talking to the waitress and an, an an American accent, and he was trying to recruit her to be a translator. And I said hey, you know, I haven't seen an American around here for a long time. Like, where are you? Where, where are you from? And he got right into my face. He said, Who are you? What are you oh. doing here? Yeah. And I'm just like, This is not what I was expecting. You're not from <laughs> South Dakota, obviously.
0: <laughs> I was expecting a handshake and a yeah, like, good, a good to see you. Hug or something.
1: <laughs> and it was a it was a weird conversation for a while. And he said, Um, at the end of it, I met him at the bar later. And he's like, he's like, if you're one of the good guys. He said, uh, here's my card, I'll check you out, I'll, I'll, I'll vet you, and if you're ever in, in trouble, we'll come in with the men in black and, and, and rescue you from any situation. But if you're one of the bad guys, you won't leave the country. And he, um, yeah, so I was like, this is
0: weird. <laughs> um, going, I, I think I'm a good guy. <laughs> like-
1: I know, I think I'm a good guy. But then he said, <laughs> look around. He's like, what's happening here is more than what meets the eye. He's like, there are child traffickers in here sex traffickers in here there are people here to do business they're here to make money with when nato beefs up everything there's a lot of money to be made he's like that's why i'm here he's like i have people on payroll that are that are on the border collecting intel and they are getting paid by me but they're but they're volunteering there to give me intel has got i got people in ukraine i got people out i'm collecting intel but i'm here to make money but eric make no mistake people are here to do bad things to people and i said and he said nothing's what is it, what it seems and i said what about that guy it was john paul Is what's the guy's name he's a fox news reporter i said he's a there's a fox news reporter right there and and there was a, a cnbc reporter right there and he he pulled out underneath his 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 shirt and, he's like, and it said press and but had a bunch of other like name tags he's like I'm pressed too. He's like, nothing is what it seems. And, um, and there are some other experiences that I had, um, there that made that absolutely true. I was on the border in Premzel, which is the Medica border that you see on the, that you were seeing on the news all the time. Mm -hmm. And there was, um, at this time, there was a lot of people that were crossing. It was cold. I had my Arc'teryx jacket on with my big uh, down Patagonia underneath that, you know, had all the nice stuff on and I was still freezing and they were just, you know, in small jackets and standing in line for hours waiting to get on the bus after they crossed. And there was a guy there and I said, what are you doing? He looked at me and he said, I'm looking for the right, for the right ones to give a ride to what do you mean? The right ones. Yeah. That's sketchy sketchy, most likely a sex trafficker. And then my friend was there later, that exact same spot. And he's like, Erica bus pulled up and it was getting filled with young, young women. Um, and just getting filled with young women and children. And then somebody noticed something, the authorities got on the bus and it was a sex trafficker going to just about got away with taking a bus full of women and children, uh, to go get sex trafficked. And so that was like, Eye-opening to me. And these are the things yeah. that Jeremy and Brittany are doing at Ariel Recovery Group. They're helping these orphans get out, but there's a bigger thing with all the all the, the trafficking that happens. And so that was really eye-opening to me.
0: That is eye-opening because you know it's not something I'd put a lot of thought into, right? Is is how many people would would look at what's going on there mm-hmm. and say, hey, there's there's opportunity to exploit people in need. So I, I want to go back to the the guy that, that you had this kind of eerie conversation <laughs> yes. with in the bar. I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, did you ever figure out so he told you he oh. was there to, to make well, let money? Let me tell you
1: this. Let me tell you this, and then you can ask a question. So yeah, I said, Yeah, yeah. Who are you? So, first of all, I vet I'd like when he said I'm gonna vet you, I said, Well, I'm gonna vet you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's like, I'm calling my people. Yeah, I don't really and have I any did. people, but
1: <laughs> uh, I did. I had my buddy Bedros Killian introduce me to Tim, who has um He's, his group took out that Fox news reporter that got shot up. He went oh, in and okay. res- his group went in to rescue him. He lives in Austin. So I had his cell number. I'm like, Tim, do you know who this guy is? He's like, he said, let me check. He said, I don't, I don't know. Never heard of him. And so I asked this guy, I'm like, who are you? And then he said, he was him and Han and said, let's just say I I've, I've worked for agencies that don't exist. And then I'm thinking, would a guy that works for agencies that don't exist actually say he Says does that? that? Yeah. <laughs> say sounds, that? Like,
0: <laughs> sounds like he might've been blowing a little smoke. So, so did you ever figure out like why no, he was there? I
1: don't, I never figured it out. What I think is he was just a government contractor that probably used to work for the CIA and um, now has into the government and is there to make money. Yeah. Um, as, as, a, as a contractor, you know, doing things and helping, you know, right? Like not necessarily
0: do. hurting people. No, you know, making money through hurting people, but, but yeah, some sort of, that's what I think, that's
1: what I think he was. If there's need for bodyguards or there's need for infrastructure there, whatever it is like that, that's kind of what he did. But then my buddy went after me, said, Eric, I did what you did, took $12,000, went to the Westin, sat at the bar, started talking to some people, had great conversation. Somebody pulled me away from that conversation and said, dude, get away from those two guys. And he's like, why? He's like, they're Polish mafia and they'll screw you up. So he called oh. me just after this happened. He's like, what should I do? And he went to a different <laughs> hotel. The point of it is like, you're, near, and you're in a different country. You're You're in these environments where there's chaos and everything seems normal. You could feel like I'm just in like- in charlotte or wherever like at the normal hotel except everything's different there's women and children around there's war going on over here there's there's just a lot of people that are always out to do bad stuff and um and it was uh and and uh so yeah it was just it was a fascinating time man yeah here's another thing i bet i got to help like with my um i'd be at the border and i got to have my kids with me like they weren't with me there but with facetime like they're there there was a lady that crossed the border one time and she had a bunch of puppies in this basket and i'm like my girls love puppies and so i did a FaceTime, and she started to take these puppies out and oh. she was interacting with my daughters and their mutual love for puppies i'm like this is amazing my daughters experience. got to experience that so i tried to do a lot of that to bring them into that experience and just to help them understand what was happening And, um, so that was a really cool thing as well.
0: Well, And and what a good example for your kids too. Right. And I mean, I think all of this is, is another good example of where, you know, look doing well in business, you know, building businesses, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to build wealth, right. It's a way to to make more money than you're likely going to make working for someone else for your entire life. But money is really just a tool at the end of the day. It's, it's, you know, what do you want to build that wealth for? What is that going to allow you to do that that you would not be able to do if you didn't have that wealth and, and those types of resources? And, and so I think this is a, a perfect example of that. And, and again, you know, what a, what a great way to, to set a good example for your kids, right? Um, very cool. Would you say that this trip has, has sparked a desire in you to do more of this type of thing? I, it's, it's, it sparked a
1: desire for me to identify organizations that are using money for like things that, that, that on the ground, my eyes were opened up to organizations that are very wasteful with money. I got to, Mm -hmm. I got to know different people there. And there's some organizations that like, they're there for the photo ops. And they're there for you know, and and they're there to fundraise, and then others are just there and they're getting stuff done, yeah. And they and they need money, so it really opened up my eyes by how many people would reach out and they say, Eric, I want to give money, but I don't know where to give it, and and so I like being able to identify organizations that are actually using money, like to to help on the ground. Um, there's also an aspect of other people wanting to do stuff like this. Um, and I think it would be uh, interesting to take trips with other entrepreneurs and say, let's go help. Let's go over here. And I have a number of, of friends and acquaintances that said, Eric, if you go again, let me know because I want to go. Yeah. And they'd all pay their own way. So I think there's going to be opportunity for that. And, um, and then it's just, you know, as I, you know, as I have influence out there, I never wanted to, people to feel like you have to go someplace to have an impact on something. Because there's so many, like in our own communities, in our own worlds there's so many people that are in need. But it was just magnified there, right? It's all over the news. Um, it's horrible things are happening. And this is where when you're on the ground with anything, like you never get the full story until you're there and you see things with your own eyes. Wes, I got to see, you know, cell phone videos and pictures of things that never make it to the news. Right. And they shouldn't make it. It is horrible stuff that, that, that happens. Um, You know, one of my friends pulled up, he's like, he called me, he's on the verge of tears. He's just like, Eric, I just saw the, the, the worst thing. It's like, I saw a tank. Going to go into a playground purposely to mow over two kids. And so you just get to see the best of humanity and the worst of humanity. And, and I want, and I never, you know, I put a post out the other day about like, how do you not raise entitled kids? and you know one of these things is just to have this communication of like what the world is like and how there are yeah. good people and there are people that are not so good and by the way this isn't about this isn't about ukrainians and russians and all that a lot of people there were they it wasn't there's was never a negative thing against the russian people sure it was always against uh the Putin that was their that was their thing. Um, But you just get to see the best of the worst of humanity. I saw the, the, the Polish people who've had experienced, you know, massive atrocities in their history that were just welcoming to all the refugees that were crossing. So, um, so yes, the answer is yes, there, it was impactful in many ways. And I can see myself going to do other things and bring awareness to to different things like this, even just like this podcast, so yeah. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, well, no, I, I, uh, you know, when I heard about it, it was it was fascinating, and you and I hadn't got to, I haven't got to hear as much of of the story as as uh, I just heard as you shared it here on the podcast. So, no, it's fascinating, and, and I can certainly see how how it would kind of spark that desire to, to do more of it, create awareness, and um, yeah, I mean, just it, it, it's crazy to me. It's like you know, in one ways, it's got to be inspiring seeing the good in people and, and people being selfless and and willing to help others. And then in some ways it's gotta be, uh, I don't know, a little depressing seeing how, how evil some people can be, um, you know, and the stark difference between, between good and bad. But, um, no, I, look, I appreciate you sharing this because it's, it's, um, you know, I, I think, uh, very interesting, uh, just, just to hear that experience. Cause you're right. I mean, if you just watch the news, like you're getting, only one, one perspective, right? Um, definitely not getting the, the full story of,
1: of Hey, let's go down that rabbit hole, hole for a quick second. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in the, in, in, you know, this hotel with all kinds of different reporters and I'm on the border with some of these different reporters and I'm always like inquisitive. I'm always curious, always asking. So I was asking somebody that worked for, um, for, CNBC okay. and a big reporter there. And I said, Is this like they were something was getting shelled? One of the nuclear things was getting shelled. And I said, How big of a deal is this? Because I was getting text messages, Eric, blah blah blah. And I said, How big of a deal with this? And he was just reporting on it. He's like, It's not a big deal at all. He's like, We make it a big deal. <laughs> and then, and then
0: and I then, believe it. Yeah.
1: And then somebody else from from Fox or used to work for Fox and then works for somebody else. Now I uh, know a CNN guy uh, said, Hey, I couldn't report a positive news story. It's like, I couldn't on COVID. It's like, I couldn't do it. They wouldn't let me. And then the same thing with Fox, a different, a different angle. So it's like, if you're, if, so if you're listening and you love Fox, you know, or you love CNN or whatever, like, they're all making money. That's my point. Like they oh, for all sure. said this to me. Like the conservative, the liberal, they all were like, "Dude, news sells, and this is a business." So my big takeaway with that is, it's a business, and you can't you, can, well, you, and, just, you and can't bad trust Bad news,
0: news, bad news sells better than yes. positive news, right? So yeah, any of these have a have a narrative, and and that's why I love seeing, you know, podcasts and and some of these different platforms becoming so big. Because the other thing is like with the news, it's all short clips little yep. sound bites you're not getting the full yep. uh you know conversation and stuff can be so easily taken out of context and yep. kind of misrepresented for what it is versus you know you hear a politician go on a podcast and talk for two hours like you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot more than what you get on that 30 second clip where a news channel's you know slamming a politician for for something he said that they took out of context in the first place and it's not nearly, nearly to the same magnitude, but I've seen uh, glimpses of how the news, you know, portrays things and, and tries to make it more negative. We live in, in uh, a coastal region, so we get hurricanes from time to time, right? And I've been literally out, you know, during a a hurricane and see, you know, the guys from the Weather Channel fly in and you know they'll go find a ditch that's flooded and has five feet of water in it and they'll stand in up to their chest and, and make it look like that's, that's like the whole area is underwater. And in reality, it's like that they found a hole to stand in and other people are walking around in an inch of water. Like it's fine. Um, but they, they get the, the camera at just the right angle and make it look like, you know, everything's underwater. It's a natural disaster. And, uh, we always kind of laugh at that when, when we see it happen. So I've seen some of it firsthand myself, but, um,
1: it's so good to go to the source, try to try to go to the source. And I talked to different reporters there that are freelancers that are, they wouldn't tell me who they worked for or what they've done in the past. Or are like, we, we work for places that put out like real news. Yeah. And, and I don't mean, you know, and they, they were just undercover themselves. And so that's where you start to get a lot of just, just different types of information, but go to the source. These news these news guys. I like to watch the news sometimes, but holy cow, you can go down a rabbit hole and you just don't know who to trust.
0: Well, yeah, 100% right. I mean, the the more you can go to the source, the better and and then just, you know, make decisions for yourself, right? Versus someone else telling you How do we you tie this back to think. franchising? Uh,
1: (laughs) you probably never had this conversation on your podcast before
0: (laughs) Uh, look man i I like i like shaking it up i don't i don't uh i don't like every every podcast
1: (laughs) all of this is about validation you can hear whatever you hear from the franchise or but talk to the franchisees that's That's, how it ties
0: that's a good tie-in that's a good segue and and look as a business owner you've got to collect information and make decisions for yourself right um the, that goes hand in hand with uh, Entrepreneurship 101. But man, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, you know, I could talk to you for hours anytime we talk, but I know you're you're busy. You've got a lot going on. You've probably got a pickleball uh, game that you've got to get ready for. Um, but love, love, uh, you know, catching up with you and just love everything that you're doing. Quickly tell people a little bit more about the masterminds. I'm in two of your mastermind groups, tons of value there. But, you know, for anyone that'd be interested in learning more about, um, what you are doing with your mastermind groups, how they could potentially get involved. Uh, give us kind of the, the the spiel on the masterminds real quick.
1: Perfect. If you're thinking about buying a franchise, definitely talk to Wes. If you are a franchisee and you want to level up and be around 40 different brands and owners of those brands, check out franchisetribe.com. If you're a franchisor and you want to bring on more of the right people and you just want to level up your game as a franchisor, Check out what's the name of that one? The franchise or tribe, franchise or tribe. And then if you're a passive investor, you want to put your money to work for you and learn some ninja strategies and get a bunch of off-market deals. Check out Tribe of Investors. So that's it, man. And I'm so glad you're in those with me.
0: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the the franchisee mastermind's been been really cool for me because like you said, you've got so many different brands from so many different industries represented within that group. And it's been very interesting to me to hear that you know a, a franchisee in a very different business from what any of my businesses are in has some of the same challenges and issues that we have. And, and they can share advice that's helpful to me and my businesses that are so different from the businesses that they're in and, and vice versa. So that's been interesting. And just you know, learning about different different businesses, um, and the uh, the investor group, I you know, and I I guess I guess I'm that's not the one I'm in. I'm in the scale the scale scale, you're in scale. Uh, you're in scale. Two, yeah, you need to good. get in
1: the investor group, I, I share some things with you that I probably shouldn't be sharing because you like you're, you're good with that stuff. So I'll, like the investor stuff, sometimes we'll bring in some different things into the from the investor mastermind into the other franchise masterminds to kind of cross pollinate a little bit and give some cool insights to some things. And we might even do that. I've got Ty Lopez coming in uh, to talk to my franchise. Uh, no, to the Tribe of Investor mastermind. I'm thinking oh, uh, really? i inviting some, uh, some of the uh, franchisors and some of the franchisees into into that too because he's done some amazing things. Ty's yeah, let,
0: let me know. I'd love to hear Ty. Um,
1: we might do that Tuesday.
0: He's okay. just texting me. Awesome. Well, look, everyone go check out um, Eric's masterminds. We'll link all that in the show notes. Uh, you're still doing your podcast too, right? Franchise Secrets podcast.
1: Fra- Franchise Secrets. Check it out
0: check it out. Got, we'll link that as well. There? Yeah. 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 Um, that was a while ago, but always good stuff coming from Eric, uh, wealth of information and, and, you know, he's genuinely looking to help people, you know, learn and, and be successful building their businesses. And I know how much I've learned from him over the years. So check out anything Eric's putting out and, uh, Eric man, appreciate you dropping in here on the path to freedom podcast and, uh, sharing what you've been up to.
1: Thanks my friend been so good. Take yep. care.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at wwwpath the number two. FRDM.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path, the number two FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.